0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. All right, it's Sunday. Welcome, everybody. Special shout out to all our house churches gathering together all over the place. So grateful that you could be with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For this study, thank you for your word, thank you for life in your kingdom, this expanding, incredible rule where you get to have your way. We pray in these minutes together as we dig in the word, you would have your way in our lives, that we would surrender anything in us that doesn't line up with your word. Your spirit would empower us and encourage us to do just that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the word politics comes from a Latin word for city or polis, right? And here's a definition we've been using in our series here Kingdom Allegiance over Political and actually Earthly Alliances. The definition of politics we've been using is building a shared life together. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal in your homes? Isn't that the goal in our church? Isn't that the goal in our communities? To build a shared life together. The challenge comes in answering this question. What are the critical components that build a shared life? I want you to watch a video that was shot, and all these people in this video are from, if I could say it this way, our tribe. We told you more than uh, 20 churches are doing this series together. These are people who are pursuing Jesus, engaged in evangelical churches. Watch how they answer this question when it comes to building a shared life together. What are the critical components? Watch this. I care about education because access to quality instruction, resources and support and learning are crucial in shaping the next generation and will provide them with opportunities for growth and success. I care about immigration because all people have the unalienable right of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I care about being independent because the two parties of this country are creating too much anger and hate and distrust between each other. I care about the persecuted church because one out of three people in the world suffer from religious persecution. I care about Black Lives Matter. It breaks my heart to see the pain caused by the racial injustice in our nation. I care about protecting anti-discrimination laws because race, class, or gender identity should not dictate level of care. I care about racial justice because I worked with at-risk youth in San Francisco who shared with me their experiences of racism. I care about the student loan crisis in America. Student loans have reached over 1.6 trillion dollars and defaults are increasing. It's time to make education more affordable for everyone. I care about homelessness because in order to fulfill the Great Commission, we need to obey the greatest commandment. I care about voting because it's a way to get your voice heard in a non-violent manner. I care about the justice and policing issue because I see many decent, godly police officers who are now being demonized for what others have done. I care about equity in education because I believe it is a path to economic opportunities. I care about justice, racial, economic, environmental, and all the other forms because justice is central to the Bible, the Gospel, and God's nature. I care about people that are less fortunate because sometimes they just need a little help from us. I care about systemic racism because my heart breaks when people are treated unjustly. I care about abortion because 3,000 unborn children will legally die in America today. I care about racism and justice because God created us all in His image, and He is just. So how would you answer that question? What are the critical components to building life? More importantly, I want to ask this question. Do you believe Jesus has thoughts on this? Do you think he wants to weigh in on this? Absolutely. No one is more for life than Jesus. He said in John 14, 6, I have come, I'm sorry, John ten ten. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full so in light of our definition of politics building a shared life together uh, the question is jesus what would you weigh into this what are the politics of jesus the best way to build a shared life together was on the minds of the pharisees and the herodians in mark chapter 12 as we jump into this story today They're bringing a specific question to Jesus about a controversial political issue. They want to take Jesus down. The scriptures say they want to trap Jesus. The Pharisees and the Herodians, you need to know, were on opposite ends of the political spectrum. Uh, One, the Herodians were supporters of the Roman government. The Pharisees weren't. And what they're asking is this, Jesus, what are your politics? Which party do you support, the Jewish party or the Roman party? So let's go. What are the politics of Jesus? Everyone has an opinion on how to build a shared life together. Here's Jesus's. Let's pick it up in Mark chapter 12, verse 13. The first point we're going to get across is the binary political question. The binary political question. Here's what it says. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? And some context helps. Uh, in the Roman Empire, there were actually nine different taxes put on their citizens. And the taxing question here is the head tax. The head tax was actually a tax for Roman citizens just for the privilege of serving under Caesar Augustus and living under Caesar Augustus. Now, 25 years ago, when this tax was installed, there was a revolution, an insurrection. And it was quick, quickly squelched by the Roman Empire. And so now, 25 years later, they're here to trap Jesus. And it's a simple trap. If Jesus answers yes, pay your taxes, then he shows that he loses the support of the Jewish zealots. They say, You're not a Messiah. If he says no, don't pay the taxes, he loses the support of the Herodians. He could, be inter- uh, he could be arrested and put in jail and killed like what happened 25 years previously. But Jesus, in this binary setup, and it wasn't the first that people tried to put Jesus in one or two categories, he sidesteps both. He refuses to acquiesce to human categories and give a binary political opinion. Let's go to the next point. Jesus' third way, third option, kingdom answer. Mark chapter 12, verse 15. But Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? By the the way, the word trap, 23 times in the Gospels. Over and over and over again, the religious people were trying to trap Jesus. He says, bring me a denarius. That's a silver coin worth a day's wage. Let me look at it. So they brought a coin to him. And he asked, whose image is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And God, and to God what is God's. See, they want a simple yes or no answer. What party are you in Jesus? But he won't do it he avoids and resists political simplicity even back then jesus knows there's nuance to this and when jesus is asked about his relationship to the state we're going to see that jesus you ready both resists what's on the coin and accepts what's on the coin how does he do this Let's look again, look a little deeper. Look in your Bibles, Mark chapter 12. He asked for the coin and he asked this question: Whose image, literally, whose icon is on it? Whose inscription is on it? The image that on that was on the denarius in Jesus' day was that of Tiberius Caesar. And in script around it, I'll give you the English language translation. It would say Tiberius Caesar, son of God, high priest. So Jesus is asking for that image and that inscription, Tiberius Caesar, son of God, high priest. Jesus holds up the coin and says, hmm, king, son of God, high priest, and shows the the icon of Caesar. And he says, render to him what is his. What does he mean by that? Uh, In our modern day coins, I don't have a quarter or a half dollar or a silver dollar or a Susan B. Anthony dollar on me. But uh, on our modern day coins, we put images on them uh, that are really a, a status of formality. But images in the Roman Empire denoted ownership in Jesus' day. And Jesus is implying, give to Caesar only what has his image on it. They're his coins. Literally, Caesar was so wealthy, he made these coins from his own storehouse, his own bank. And implied, don't miss this, okay, because this is so important, not only to the politics of Jesus, but this whole one kingdom indivisible series. Implied is this. You give to Caesar what has his image on it. You give to God what has his image on it. Now I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Who has the image of God imprinted on them? Look around. If you're alone, look in the mirror. (laughs) Let me read a passage, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Friends, you need to know, I've said this before in this very series, this fact drives our ethic. It drives us as followers of Jesus, because God loves the world and has put his image on every human being. In this book that we're encouraging you to read alongside the series, The Third Option, it's built on this very verse and this very concept it encourages in light of everybody being an image bearer of god regardless of skin color that they deserve honor and every follower of jesus should live with the conviction that every person is loved by god every person has the right to life And every person can be made new through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the third option. And that's what was motivating Jesus as he asked that question. Now let's look at another insight. Verse 14 to 15. They asked, should we pay Caesar taxes? And they use a Greek word which means to present a gift. Should we give the gift of a tax to Caesar? But in Jesus' answer in verse 17, he doesn't use the word pay. He doesn't say uh, pay to Caesar the things that are Caesar. He uses a whole different word. Uh, The King James Version calls it render. I think the NIV calls it give back, not pay. It's literally the term give back what he deserves. Give back only what he deserves. Track with me, this is really important. What Jesus is saying is this you can give Caesar some of what he wants. They're his coins. But you can't give Caesar ultimately what he wants. He wants ultimate allegiance. That's how the Roman Empire worked. And Jesus says you can't give him your life because his imprint isn't on your life. And it's not your life to give, God's imprint is on your life, it's God's life. Jesus is saying, my image is on your life. Friends, you got to hear me on this, okay? Hear me. Life. All lives. Eternal life. Friends, that is at the core of the politics of Jesus. He is for life. And it was lived out through the early church. And it was lived out to the amazement of everybody. Because the early church was this countercultural community that brought together races that was for life for the poor for the rich and and for slaves and for free and for people of all different ethnicities they were one in christ i'm telling you it grew the church and people either annihilated them or were amazed by them but no one stayed neutral when it came to the early church that's what jesus does when you're for life see jesus won't let his followers see this political process as the ultimate way to reform culture. Jesus is saying politics, as far as government, has its place, and it's really important. And thank God we live in a democracy. Don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? But what I am saying is this Jesus is saying there is an authority over Caesar, and it's me. And I'm here to introduce a revolution through the kingdom of God, which will lead to the ultimate eradication of real poverty, real suffering, real injustice, real hunger, real brokenness, real oppression. If you don't believe me, read the Beatitudes again. Read the Sermon on the Mount again. Jesus came in to usher a revolution through his kingdom, but it was a spiritual revolution which would change lives. You know, as I'm filming this today, I pulled in the parking lot and there were a ton of Christ followers in our parking lot. Through a partnership, through World Vision and Generations United and PCC, 125 families every week are being fed in Jesus' name with a week's worth of food. They're being hand-delivered by followers of Jesus to the uh, economically challenged in our community. Jesus is going, that is what I'm for, for life for life. Jesus didn't come just to give you a ticket to heaven and change your life. He came to radically transform your life so that culture could be transformed. That leads to my last point, the earthly response. Look at verse 17. And they were, and this word is used 37 times in the Gospels. This summer, uh, in my times with Jesus, I'm reading through the Gospels every month, and it has been so rich. I'm just reacquainting myself with Jesus and letting him be himself with me. It's so incredible. But what comes out to me uh, time and time again is this very word, and they were amazed at him. The word means to wonder, to marvel. To wonder, to marvel. Amazement happens when uh, your experience exceeds your expectation. They were amazed. And here's the challenge I have for us: <laughs> Why aren't we amazing people as a church anymore? I don't say that to heap guilt. I say that that we can sit in conviction. I, I actually have an answer because our earthly alliances take precedent over our kingdom allegiance. Because we're more concerned about things of this earth than the things of eternity and the world looks at that and says there's nothing different you're divided like we're divided you care about things we care about i look at your life i look at the culture's life in church i don't see anything different friends i am i am offering this to us as a soft encouragement soft rebuke maybe We need to be amazed with Jesus in a fresh new way so that we live amazing lives in front of people that point to this amazing God. You know, 20 years ago, there was a book called Dangerous Wonder that really uh, was formative in my life. The author died. His name was Mike Iaconelli. And in the book, he writes this, the greatest enemy of Christianity may be people who say they believe in Jesus but are no longer astonished or amazed by Jesus. We've allowed our screens, he said this 20 years ago, to beat our imaginations into submission. And we have become tourists in Christianity rather than travelers. We have been stunted into mediocrity. I wanna invite us all, as we look at the politics of Jesus, to be amazed by what amazed him to side with what Jesus sided with. That we give earthly alliances where they are due because things of this world have different images on them and we give those where they are due. But friends, you and I bear the image of Jesus. And that should transform us and transform everyone we lay eyes on. So as we close in our story, we have, and the way Mark wrote this, there's two kings before us, two historical figures, Caesar and Jesus. Both claim to be king. Both claim to be the son of God. That was the imprint on the coin. Both claim to be a high priest. Hebrews talks about Jesus being a high priest. That was on the coin for Caesar. But they are so different. One king had all the coins. It was his money. That's why Jesus said, pay it back. The other king, Jesus, was so poor, when asked for one coin, he didn't have it and had to ask someone to give it to him. A king without coins versus the king with all the coins. And Mark is writing his gospel saying, who will you give ultimate allegiance to? Jesus is a king who won't tax, but will give. Jesus is a king who won't seek recognition, but embraced rejection. So much rejection that on the cross, even his father turned his face from him. The coronation of Jesus' kingship was not ascending to a throne, but being raised up on a cross, and then being executed. You have to understand why Jesus was a king without coins. Why was he so poor? track with me for three more minutes and we're closing in prayer but this is so important on the cross jesus took the poverty that we deserved so that we could have the incredible wealth of god's acceptance now and forever on the cross jesus took the rejection that we deserved the wrath that we deserved so that we could have complete acceptance before god an intimate relationship with the trinity now and forever my friends until you see jesus until you personally see jesus as the king who took your poverty your rejection and he did that so he could give you true wealth and true acceptance until you declare i want to follow you as king and receive the gift of eternal life you can't earn it there's not a stairway to heaven jesus comes right now where you are and offers it to you I'm telling you, you will be trapped in this world and continue to give yourself to earthly alliances, politically or otherwise, that will never satisfy you. Just look at our homepages, friends. As I close, I just have this sense that Jesus is inviting us to join him in a revolution that will send you out into the world. That's our benediction, right? And tell people who are bound, the King is here to set you free. That PCC is a shared life worth building together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you sent your son and that Jesus, I thank you so much that once again, you're blowing minds and blowing categories. Thank you that you invite us to follow you and give our whole life to you. And Father, forgive me And forgive us for not living lives that are amazing, tapped into the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us where we mirror the world. Forgive us, Lord, where we've given in to mediocrity and we get more excited about earthly alliances than kingdom allegiance. Father, forgive us. Thank you for the grace that's there. Your heads are bowed. And those of you today who say, you know what? I don't know if I've ever asked Jesus to be my king. I want to be liberated. I want to follow Jesus as king. I want his reign, his peace, his forgiveness, his purpose. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. And those of you who would say, yeah, I want, to be Je- I want Jesus to be the king of my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. You can't earn that. Jesus offers it to you for free. It's called grace, friends. We're going to pray again, and I'm going to invite you, if you've never, never asked Jesus to be king, to bring that to God right now and ask. Let's pray. You can make my prayer your prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for waking me up to the truth that Jesus is king. Today I'm asking that Jesus be my king. Lord Jesus, save me make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you and join you in the revolution for life and for lives. So Lord, I don't have to depend on the government to bring good to the world, that I can join your people to be good in this world. Open my eyes, Jesus, in a fresh new way to who you are and to people around me as those who bear your image. Forgive me for doing my life my way. Today I'm giving you my life. I'm embracing your life, it's an exchange. Make me the person you want me to be. I wanna join you today in your kingdom revolution, in the one kingdom that's indivisible. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we close, the host is going to come back. If you prayed that prayer with me, there's a text number you're going to hear about. Please, please, please. If you prayed that prayer with me, text the number that you're given and let's get you growing in your relationship with Christ and joining this revolution, this countercultural community for good on this world, in this world, and in the next. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.